Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Mm. Welcome to August. Today is Monday, August 3rd. We are now <coughs> coming into the, well, kind of the last quarter of the year, not quite, but got to pause for a sec. I probably don't need to tell you that I'm pausing, but you know, honesty, verisimilitude. I um, had my patio chairs out of, a little out of whack, because I had one drawn over so I could elevate my knee. That's been giving me fits, <clears throat> and it was in the way. I didn't feel like scooting past it, and I didn't want to make it loud. So, so yeah, my knee is much better today, finally. But that's, uh, I really did baby it over the weekend. I did a lot of things where I was sitting, not walking. <coughs> Excuse me. And you guys know that I'm very fond of walking, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of been an eventful weekend that way. I mean, with me trying to heal up this knee... I did do yin yoga on Saturday morning via Zoom. I broke down. Um, I know I mentioned that before, but I've definitely got to get back into doing that because I just tighten up too much without it. And I don't do it very well on my own. So it was a great class. Uh, my favorite teacher, Melissa Spammer, asked if anyone had requests. And I said, IT bands. And boy, did she give me. Great IT band workout, and it was amazing. And then, on Saturday evening, I was trying to go to bed early, because this knee is making me not sleep well, and I am usually the queen of sleeping. And it's rare for me to have something that I can't sleep through. You know, usually if I go to bed and go to sleep, then I could just sleep through a thing and feel better in the morning. And this knee has been waking me up, which is really irritating. And I know I really can't complain because there's so many people who can't sleep well on a regular basis. But it's like, I don't know how you guys do it. <laughs> I just don't feel like a human being if I don't get my solid eight hours of sleep. So <clears throat> I'd gone to start to go to bed early. And then Isabel, my 14-year-old cat, started acting funny scratching and stuff and she was straining to pee and acting like her bladder was bothering her so I was thinking oh and by then it was like I'd gotten in bed about nine and she woke me up around 10 and I thought I really don't want to go in the middle of the night on a Saturday night to a vet and we'd have to go to emergency vet and all that sort of thing so I gave her I give them um cranberry in their wet cat food as a prophylactic anyway and so I gave her a little bit of mixed an extra dose of that in some water with some cat food and she ate that and fortunately then she went and peed it took a little while to take effect but not too bad and then she went to pee and settled down and she slept through the night and she was great all day yesterday and I thought ah. Oh, well, I solved that problem. 
but then this morning she woke up. I woke up early. Uh, I woke up around four, which is tied to the knee thing. So generally, if I go to sleep by about nine, then I sleep straight through until about one or one thirty, and then I wake up with the knee hurting. And I finally got smart and kept some biofreeze beside the bed, and so I put some biofreeze on it and went and go back to sleep. So that works pretty well. And CBD oil. I don't really do analgesics. We don't have any painkillers because we're freaky deaky health nuts. <laughs> um, I haven't taken an analgesic in I don't know how long, 20 years more. So <clears throat> did the CBD oil and that helped. But then I wake up around 4 in the morning and it's really hard for me. I couple times I've gone back to sleep. I guess yesterday morning I went back to sleep, took some CBD oil and went back to sleep. But this morning I woke up and Isabel was bothering me. She was talking to me. I thought she was hungry, but it turned out her bladder was bothering her again. And then also, it's funny because the knee doesn't actually hurt so much. It kind of aches, but it's like, I don't know, it's hard to explain. It's like I have to move it. And so finally I just got up and David was sleeping away and I didn't want to wake him. So I got out and just kind of walked around the house a little bit, and that really helped. I really wanted to move. And we did go for a walk this morning, too, and it's feeling better. It's like, you know, you sort of hit that phase where it feels so stretchy, and it's like, yeah, it just wants to move. It needs to get some blood flow and everything in there. So, but then Isabel is definitely, she's got a a little bit of pink in her urine and she's fine again i got her some cranberry and she's sleeping now but i've got to call into the vet and have to take her in and see about getting her antibiotics or have her bladder flushed or something poor kitty cat so so yeah the the pair of us not not doing so great but we'll be better right so let's see. Um, on Friday, I got farther on Dark Wizard. I passed uh, 25,000 words. Made some more notes this weekend on the world and magic system. I think I'm getting that sorted out. Today, I'm going to switch back over to Promised Queen. I'm going to um, write that final scene on Promised Queen and then go back and make one more pass. I'll see how long that takes me this week. I've also got to pay bills this afternoon. I never got around to it this weekend. Um, that's the other thing. It's just making me tired. I don't know if it's partly the missing sleep or the um, energy consumption of the injury or what, the strain, whatever the hell this is. So, so Evergreen had asked me on a comment to talk more about mastermind and what what the hell are you talking about Jeffy and it's funny because I've grown accustomed to people talking about it um, casually in conversation and uh, I'm surprised actually how many people say it I there's like one one gal who haven't has it in her email signature which I find a little weird <laughs> because uh, I don't know if that's what she means but really, a mastermind group. So, 
Evergreen said, would you explain this? And I thought, well, what a great idea, because I hadn't explained it, had I? <clears throat> I know Leslie Penelope is in a mastermind group. And she was the one who suggested that I should consider leading some um, other authors in mastermind groups. So what it is, is it's actually a concept that Dale Carnegie put together. Uh, and you know, Dale Carnegie was very interested in success overall. And he was also interested in everybody being able to elevate themselves and achieve their goals. Um, that's part of why Carnegie put so many libraries everywhere because he believed in people having access to books and education to be able to um, lift themselves up. So Carnegie had told Napoleon Hill, who was a self-made millionaire several times. He actually like went bankrupt twice, but uh, ended up uh, being wealthy, <laughs> burned it back again. And Napoleon Hill also came out of that Depression era, and he wrote a book called Think and Grow Rich, which kind of reads as a silly title these days, but it's the same kind of idea. It's about learning to manifest the success that you want in your life. And Carnegie told Napoleon and Hill that whenever two or more people got together who were focused on the same goals, um, the same idea that between them, they created something greater than themselves, greater than the sum of the parts. And Napoleon Hill dubbed it the mastermind. And it's basically this idea that when you put people together, that, that they connect on other levels besides simple physical conversation or pheromones or what have you, that we connect on a non-physical level and that we can operate to uh, increase each other's success, amplify each other. So when I talk about starting a mastermind group, what I would do is I would start talking to people, do some interviewing, and I would start matching people up. And really, we only need, you know, like two, two per level. Um, what's key is connecting people who have like minds. Because if you're going to make a mastermind, then you need to have like minds already. Um, and you can learn from there. You can learn to be um, more in sync with each other. But, but you need to have a certain amount of compatibility to begin with. And one very basic level of compatibility would be <clears throat> pairing up writers who are at similar places in their careers and have similar goals. And it's really important, both of those things, because it's difficult when somebody is wanting to do something really different. You know, like I used to be in a critique group with this gal who uh, she wouldn't ever send out her work to anybody because she was afraid of rejection in part and because she felt like it was enough to write it. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you could see how her 
approach to writing and her writing career and craft is totally different than mine, right? And even among some of my friends, um, you know, like I have some friends who their goals for their writing are very different from mine. I tend to be more commercially focused. I tend to be, um, <laughs> how is this going to help me make a living doing this? Um, I, I'm very happy making money. <laughs> I think more money is good. There are some people who have um, more complex ideas about money, and they, you know, some people actually are repelled by the idea of, of working for money. You know, like they feel like that taints the, the art. So you want to be matched up with people who have the same ideas about what success in writing means and how to get there. And then also people who have either an inherent positivity or who can be taught. And, and I think part of the reason that Leslie suggested that I do this is because I do have extensive training in doing this. I've been part of um, a lot of seminars and training. Um, I know how to create a mastermind. I've done it with other people. It's funny, you know, I don't talk about it so much because it was always like a, I don't know, kind of like a fight club thing to me. You know, like first rule of mastermind is you don't talk to people about your mastermind. And now it's become something that's so, like I said, sort of mentioned in casual conversation or put someone's email signature. It always takes me back a little bit. It's like, you know, oh, you, you put that out there? <laughs> And I'm I'm sure that's a me thing, um, and probably the training that I came from emphasized that, and and I feel like that's not important. What is important is guarding your mastermind, because you don't want other people to trump on it. So, I think that's probably where I get some of the idea of being guarded about the concept of mastermind, because you don't want to let other people in who will damage it. But the way that being in a mastermind group is different than, say, a critique group or beta reading or any of these other things is that you learn how to support each other. You learn how to do, sort of feed the mastermind. This may be one way to look at it. And that's something that I can teach you how to do. So, so I think that's where we'd start, is that I would start taking applications and interview people and start matching people up into pairs. And if you can get like three or four people in a mastermind, I think that can be ideal. But I wouldn't want to limit it to that. And I think putting people at different stages of their careers is good too because if you have someone who has yet to be published matched up with someone who is worried about well you know sorry i'm going to backtrack a little bit a, a good example of that is like when i've talked about um people saying that i have champagne problems which people don't necessarily mean in a mean way and yet it's not productive, right? So like this weekend, I ended up emailing one of my writer friends 
because I was annoyed about something that, well, I, I can even tell you guys, um, I'm not going to name names, but it appears that there is an indie author out there who is basically working her way through one of my series um, and ripping off the plots. <laughs> she is creating these books that are um, matching the overall plot lines of, of mine. And, you know, it's one of those things that it's like, well, you know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, maybe. Um, I'm, I'm irritated by it. And I know that she's read my books because she told me once before how much she likes my books. And it's funny because I think she's doing it on purpose because she has on her comparison that it would be perfect for fans of um, several authors who are very close to me, but she does not mention me. And I think she's ducking the comparison. But, like, <laughs> she, even the names are really close. And I started reading one of the books. Actually, I discovered it because I started reading the books because I thought, oh, it looks interesting, you know, my kind of story. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, now we know it's why my kind of story because it actually is my story. So, there's nothing to be done. I mean, it's not actual plagiarism because she's not doing word for word. She's just basically ripping off my characters and, and story. So I emailed one of my friends who has, is also multi-published with a number of series. And she, and she showed me one where someone's ripping off her series. It's, it's, a, it's almost worse because they're really like, well, both of us, they're, they're making the covers very similar in certain ways. Hers, the covers are like almost exact. And the, a lot of the same, you know, using the same words. And so she was the right person to cheer me up because we could just kind of be like, oh, it's so irritating and all that. But she's someone who, who understands what that's like. And, and we're at similar places in our careers and we have similar sensibilities. So, <coughs> excuse me. If I were to complain to someone who's like still trying to get their book deal about it, They'd be like, well, you know, I sure wish I was important enough for somebody to rip off my books or something like that. And which I would absolutely understand that response. And so I wouldn't want to complain to them about that sort of thing. Just like I don't want to complain about, um, you know, like having several offers on a book and not being able to decide or something like that. So that's what I mean about that. You want people who are going to be able to um, really understand where you're at with stuff and and be supportive you know not you don't want people who will trump on your dreams right you want somebody to say yes you can have that dream and this is my dream and let let's try to get this dream together and so of course you can exchange work but it's it's more than that it's um it's sharing the the energy, the, the impetus, the, the drive to do the thing. So, um, tomorrow I am going to have the redoubtable Leslie Penelope on the podcast. We're celebrating her release week. And I think her release is actually next week, but 
you know, it's like birthdays. It's all month. So that'll be fun. And I will report. Um, I, th I think Isabel will be fine, but think good thoughts for her. And I will talk to you all tomorrow when I interview Leslie. Okay. You all. Oh, uh, I almost forgot. First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network. You can find other podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And you all take care. Bye-bye.